Handle on the News. Handle on the News! You can't be that wrong that many times in a row unless you're working at it. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right, here we go. It's yet another day, Tuesday. Wayne's having a hard time with his microphone. His microphone is just not working well. Wayne, put it all the way up. Put it all the way up. That's it. And then bring that down. Okay? I know. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. Right? They spend $10 million upstairs for a Ryan Seacrest studio, which he's never in. (laughs) Right? And we did we we got new uh, arms. That's what we got. Nike arms. Yeah, and then they they did uh, decorate the uh, the studio with the it's hideous. They're kind of I don't know photographic murals. Yeah, yeah, sort just, of. I like the old one better. Then I like uh, the old Domino's pizza recipe. I like it better than the new one too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cardboard is good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Cardboard with uh, tomato sauce and some cheese on it. I don't know if it was real cheese. I was going to say alleged. Yeah. Alleged cheese. Could be. It could have been a petroleum. It could have been a food product, a cheese <laughs> product. Cheese food product, much like Velveeta. All right. Good morning. Uh, there's Jennifer Jones Lee. Hello, my fellow Domino's lover. Exactly. There's Wayne Resnick. Good morning. The pan pizza with sausage, by the way. Oh, I haven't had that one. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, Domino's pan pizza? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Thick pan bready pizza. Oh, I always get just the thin one. No, oh, try, try, try it. If you like thick pizza. Sometimes uh, I'm yeah, a huge sure. fan of thick pizza. All right, there's Alex, and there's John. Morning, John. And uh, let me see what else is going on. Uh, not much. I'm working on my voice with a voice uh, expert. I was at Kaiser yesterday. And, oh yeah, is it a, a ear nose throat guy? Or no, I already gone else? to an ear nose throat uh, person. This is a speech therapist person, and uh, uh, this is Kaiser. So they did an unneeded surgery on me yesterday and came this close to killing me. Wow. Stopped. Wow. They won't let me do commercials for them. Have you noticed that? Weird. wonder why. Oh, uh, yeah. And they used to advertise quite a bit on uh, KFI. It's actually a great system. I've been there since I've been five. Marjorie's been there since she's been one at Kaiser, since she's been one years old. And that's a long time. Matter of fact, if you look at her Kaiser card, it's number two. Henry Kaiser is number one. She's number two. So no mystery as to why Kaiser doesn't do commercials and no mystery. There is a mystery as to why you're still married. Uh, yes, that's a mystery. <laughs> Actually, uh, Marjorie almost kicked the bucket when uh, she um, when she was born. And uh, Kaiser, the people at Kaiser actually saved her, her ass and her life. And then when I was having my heart surgery, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was not going to let those people operate on me. So I'm researching, researching, researching. And it all led right back to Kaiser. Every bit of it. All the research. One of the best art surgical teams in the country. What does that tell you? Okay, let's do it, guys. Hey, did I just do a commercial for Kaiser? Ding. Is it a commercial if it's uncompensated? Uh, yeah, it's an uncompensated commercial. No, it's just a uh, statement. All right, guys, you ready to do it? We have lots going on. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled yesterday on a big one. Mark Zuckerberg is in front of the European Parliament. Uh, I uh, can't wait. Uh, They're going to rip into him, rip into him today. Uh, And uh, then President Moon is uh, visiting the U.S. There's a lot going on. So let's do it, guys. Lead story. 
Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns. Okay, in the aftermath of the Santa Fe High School uh, shootings, uh, actually the massacre, and I think it's fair to use that word, a uh, couple of stories. Two students at nearby schools came to campus with guns. Uh, there were threats of violence at three other schools. I mean, threats like, I'm going to kill someone at three other schools. And uh, so the copycats are starting to come out like crazy. Well, when you look at a couple of these shootings, uh, the shooters looked at Columbine as their model. That these were the people I want to emulate. The Columbine shooters have become uh, heroes to so many people. They become iconic figures. They're now deified by crazy people. And they want to emulate them. See, I always wonder when I hear these stories about after a school shooting, kids start bringing guns to school. Do they think they're protecting themselves? You know, I always wonder if that that's where their mindset goes. I don't goes. think so. I Not think that they're, they're no. going to be crazy. No, I think what uh, if they for think the most they're going to protect they're their crazy. class. But let's do some numbers for a minute. Oh, this is crazy. That, you- that actually, <laughs> that W doesn't mean Wayne. That W means it with goes with story one. one. Oh, okay. With story one, because <laughs> there's a W there. Uh, there uh, we're looking at some figures, and uh, there is a study that's out there. As a matter of fact, since the uh, the shootings, uh, looking at, six, at G7 countries, those with the largest advanced economies in the world. Of course, uh, the U.S. is part of it. Canada, uh, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, the U.K. The U.S., has 57 times more uh, school shootings uh, since 2009 than the other six countries combined. Well, I mean, that sounds atrocious. And it is. And it it is atrocious, although if you're not giving me per capita numbers, I'm not interested. Put Germany together with Japan. Mm-hmm. Canada, Italy, has France, four the people. UK, and I still want it's a per capita way, number. way, way more uh, by hundreds of millions of people. You okay? Let's uh, add up. Look at uh, Alex. Uh, Canada, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, the UK. Would you add the populations of all those people up, please? See, this is my point, though that in, that in order to understand, no, like right. they published this, and in order to understand it on a per capita you're right. basis, it has to be per capita. Somebody has to do research. Now I know it has because to be, they it, won't do it. It has to be. It they has decide to, be, to pick the stat that's the that's correct. The mo- and I'm not. By the way, this is not me going. I don't believe that no, we have a gun violence right. problem. It's none of that. I just prefer right. better reporting on this right. kind of stuff. It's a wonderful phrase. There are lies, and then there are uh, statistical oh, da- lies. Uh, there are lies, and damned, damned lies, lies, and statistics. statistics. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a national die-in day that you, the high schoolers here in the U.S. are going to have on June 12th to protest what they say is inaction on gun control. No gun yeah, there'll be nothing. There'll be nothing. Well, the only other thing, too, is isn't it going to be overshadowed? That's the day that the president is supposed to meet with Kim Jong-un, June 12th. Yes, somebody came up with a stupid date. Well, Well, it's the the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. That's still a dumb that You still would move it because uh, uh, Jen is absolutely right. Uh, It's The whole point of it is for publicity. Right. The whole point of it is for political pressure on just looking at what these students are doing, you know, laying in front of the Capitol, in coffins and whatever they do when they do these die-ins and uh, supposed to get a lot of press. It's all going to be over in Korea. Right. All of it. And uh, that's, um, well, right. I mean, here's an anecdotal thing about how many shootings we have. You, you can pick 
the anniversary of which shooting? Columbine, yep. Parkland, Pulse, San Bernardino, uh, they go, the various goes, ones in Texas yeah, that have go, occurred. Goes on and on and on. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll do more. Also, your chance to win $1,000. All right. KFI Handle here on a Tuesday morning. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. They call the winner and you have to answer or you can't win. Karen in La Habra answered and won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour. All right. We're... You should report the results of the uh, my, oh, yes. my per capita okay. question on Here's the Here's the per shootings. capita. The United States is 320. This was a story we just did that the United States has, uh, what, 67, 57 times more school shootings than the other G7 nations combined. And that's Canada, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, the UK. And as uh, Wayne pointed out, and legitimately, you have to look at the per capita numbers. How many per 100,000, usually it's per 100,000. Well, if you look at the populations of these other countries, it's 437 million versus 320, and we still have 57 times more. So it's even worse. On a per capita basis, it is worse. Because we live, I mean, it's just part of life. One of the things, and we talked about this yesterday, that is uh, so depressing is it's no longer uh, big, big news. I mean, when enough people are killed, but... It's simply accepting the fact that gun shootings in schools have become part of our lives. We just expect, we just have to accept it. For example, X number of traffic accidents cost 30,000 deaths a year. I mean, we have to accept that. We try to lower it if we can, but we have to accept a huge number of traffic deaths in the country as part of just living in the United States. That's what gun shootings in high schools have become. How depressing is that? All right, let's move on. Well, uh, in California, up in Sacramento, they're not doing nothing about this issue. It's already, uh, California is one of a handful of states that allows someone to get a gun violence restraining order. Uh, You have to be an immediate family member of the person or a law enforcement officer, and you can go to a judge and say that person's dangerous. And if the judge, you know, agrees, they can tell you, all right, well, what they want to do now is expand it Other kinds of people could go after you for a gun violence restraining order, including, and I think especially, school employees and coworkers. And now here's my question. Uh, There's an attack on it. Uh, Does it simply done by affidavit? What kind of protections do you have? How do you defend it? Is someone simply going to say, I heard him say, and you say, I never said that. Doesn't matter. It's like restraining orders that spouses have against each other. They're automatically granted, temporary restraining orders. Automatically granted. All you have to do is, is allege uh, violence or threats, and you get your restraining order, uh, your temporary restraining order. So, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I don't want this to be abused. Well, that's a concern. The other concern is you will know, you have a right to know who is making the complaint against you. And the way it works, the judge issues the order. Then you have to give up your guns. 
Yeah, we've seen a lot of mm. angry oh, yes. guys yeah. in different right. situations. Who have, said, who have said, I will never give up my guns. I remember taking one phone call when I opened it up, and I uh, and, and the, the fellow said, I will never give up my guns, ever. I'll get into a firefight with the police I before I give guy. up my guns. Yeah. And I said, do you have kids? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, what if the kids are injured or your children die? They'll understand how important the Second Amendment is as they're dying. What do you do with that? Where's the discussion at that point? Well, the state attorney general has appealed a ruling that overturned California's assisted suicide law. Suicide is painless. Now, this is a little bit wonky. Yeah. It wasn't based on the fact that the law in and of itself is abhorrent and illegal or it's a moral issue with him. And it very well may be a moral issue, but it has to do with a special session that was called. Uh, in the California legislature where they passed uh, the law. and Instead of appealing this and getting all mired in the... Why don't they just pass another one at an open session? That's and then they don't think. have the issue anymore. Uh, yes. So uh, he. What, it, this is where the judge... did. This is where it gets wonky and interesting. Is that the special session was called to consider efforts to improve the efficiency and efficacy of the health care system and improve the health of Californians. And the judge ruled uh, killing yourself uh, is not the health of Californians, and it has nothing to do with the health care system. And this is where I start disagreeing, saying part of health care is helping people die. I mean, that's simply what doctors should do. And then you have uh, the doctor saying, I would never do that. It's uh, all I can do is cure, which I don't understand. I mean, I understand the Hippocratic Oath or the hypocritical oath in uh, many cases. I, I just... I don't understand it, but then that's me. Isn't mental health part of health? Uh, but so you have a person, you have a person yeah. who's in agony, and they right. do not want but to taking, be alive anymore. But taking away life uh, is it, life is so sacrosanct that someone suffering is an inferior position than life being sacrosanct. Now they will say we'll make you as comfortable as possible. Uh, you ever known anybody dying of bone cancer? Yes, you can't. Actually. You can't make them comfortable. No. It's, it's almost impossible. All you can do is effectively anesthetize them so they don't feel it. That's it. They have to go under virtually uh, a fairly deep anesthetic. Okay, we're going to come back uh, and plenty more. Let's speed it up because we're spending a fair number of time uh, on each individual story, which is good. But just we need to spend less time and we have to speed it up. All right. Did that make any sense? Of course yeah, not. it's great, but you hate it. Uh, no, I don't hate it. Not at all. Uh, all right. KFI handle here with the morning crew on a May 22 a Tuesday. Uh, asking you to please uh, help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared at California. It's a $400 donation, and for that, you and a guest enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all of the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides uh, during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown. You must be 21 years older or older to uh, attend. 100% of the benefits, uh, the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross, the Get Prepared California campaign, 
Limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com, and the word is uh, search word is mi- uh, mixer. And if you didn't get this information, please listen at 8:30 or 9:30. We'll be repeating it right through July of 2023. Okay, let's move on. More handle on the. News, Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, the ex-boyfriend of that woman killed in the Aliso Viejo explosion is not getting out on bail. Stephen Beal, charged with possession of an unregistered explosive device, appeared before uh, it was a magistrate judge in Santa Ana, federal, and, now, and this... said you're a flight risk and a danger. Right, and there's and it's fairly unusual to not have bail, isn't it? Because you have m- murderers. Now they go very high bail, which is effectively no bail. Uh, when somebody gets a $5 million bail, come on, who's going to make that? And as a matter of fact, that's the argument that uh, uh, that a lot of civil libertarian attorneys, ACLU, is making, is that when uh, the their people are entitled to bail, the judges make it so high that's effectively you're in jail with no bail. Well, this judge apparently said that Beal poses a threat to yeah. the community because of his mental health issues and his ability to make more explosives mm. if he wants to. Yeah, and the, I mean, the bomb was so horrific, it was so powerful Uh, that the woman who was killed, parts of her were found in the parking lot. And she was inside the spa. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, the teenager who started a large wildfire in Oregon has to pay nearly $37 million in restitution. Yeah, he's, uh, what, 17? Uh, 15. 15, it's even better. Now, it's one of those things where, of course, he doesn't have it. But if it turns out, and I think this is the case, he can't go bankrupt on this because it's an intentional uh, tort. It was an intentional act. Uh, then that stays with him for the rest of his life. And he will never, ever uh, be able to have a job, own a business without the government taking a hefty portion of it. It's, it basically becomes a lifetime a, a lifetime uh, sentence, uh, a lifetime uh what amount of money you have to pay? Well, it's like a they, payment plan. Yeah, almost, it's a that they've lifetime fine. Him. Yeah, very healthy fine that he's going to pay for the rest of his life, as he should. He was throwing fireworks into a uh, a super dry. I know canyon over there. Of I course, know. he's lucky that yeah. it didn't turn into a criminal matter where he's in jail. Yeah. Uh, speaking of criminal matters, your friend uh, Representative Tony Cardenas is facing new calls to quit. It was a. Um, Demonstration at his yeah. office. But this is one where uh, he has denied it completely. There is some evidence that it was uh, someone who worked for him, and they were, they were very close to the family, and they had a falling out. And uh, it's effectively her word, this uh, young lady's word, not so young anymore, because this was uh, have uh, happened uh, 11 years ago. Uh, and there's been nobody else, nobody else, that has come forward and, uh, uh, to uh, accuse him of these kinds of acts. On the other hand, the uh, alleged victim was 16. That's at true. The time. So you have the underage. And issue. so uh, the, the legislature has not called for his uh, removal at this point. Uh, the various led, the very people he works with. Uh, now, the people who are calling, of course, demonstrators, concerned citizens, who also uh, demonstrated against uh, Raul Bocanegro. Uh, and Raul did, there were allegations that he had, in fact, uh, abused several women, or at least acted inappropriately with several different women, and he resigned almost immediately. 
Well, a fourth person has agreed to settle a lawsuit in San Diego County for $240,000, but that pushes the total amount paid by the county regarding sexual uh, misconduct to $900,000. That's for one one guy. 240,000. There are 11 other cases. So, yeah, no, no, but the, the 900,000 total so far is one sheriff's deputy accused by multiple people of sexual misconduct. And I don't know if the other 11 cases are all attributed to this one yeah. guy. And if for some reason this doesn't seem to be astronomically high. It uh, relative to the no. city of Los Angeles that has 3 million dollar, 4 million dollar awards, but that's usually for police misconduct. That's usually when it's uh, someone is shot, uh, and particularly a minority, read a uh, young black male uh, who is shot and unarmed and uh, different sides. And if it's a downtown jury, you can just kiss the police position goodbye no matter what. It's over. So they have to settle those. And for big dollars, too. Well, the uh, the war between the Trump White House and the FBI might be in a bit of a ceasefire for now. This is after Trump said, I want to see all the information about this uh, alleged FBI informant that you had in my campaign. And he asked for an independent counsel to uh, investigate the independent counsel. And what they've uh, done uh, is a compromise, and that is the inspector general, which is independent, is going to investigate this, which the inspector general normally does. Anytime there's an accusation of any of this ilk, the inspector general comes in. It's just part of his investigative process. That's what the inspector general does. So uh, it looks like there was a compromise between the uh, president, uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod uh, Rosenstein, or Rosenstein, and the FBI Director Christopher Ray. They all met in the White House yesterday. Now, the inspector general still hasn't finished his investigation of Comey's handling of the Hillary Clinton email yeah. situation. Yeah, so he's go, got a full desk. Yeah, this is going to go on for years. And uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back and finish up handle on the news. Okay, Jennifer Jones Lee with some with some news. And uh, this is uh, KFI handle here. Uh, big stories that we're covering today uh, is uh, Supreme Court. They just screwed workers. If you happen to be a worker person that is not uh, that is not represented by a union, uh, unless you happen to be represented by our union, after where you're screwed even more. And I'll explain that a little bit later on. Also, President uh, Moon Moon Jae-in, South Korea, is in the U.S. meeting with our president today. All right, let's do it uh, as we finish handle on the news with Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And Hope Hicks is really pretty, and she cost the RNC a pretty penny. Good luck, Miss Hicks. You are literally the only hope they have. Yep. So, uh, as she is being questioned, part of the Mueller investigation, you have to get your own attorney. I mean, there's no way around it. And these guys are very expensive. So, in this case, the RNC paid half a million bucks to the law firm. Uh, and this, I mean, they can do that. This is a Republican National Committee. It's not taxpayer dollars or anything. But um, so I don't understand why this is such a big story, because it happens as a matter of course. The RNC pays money to uh, to defend virtually anybody who is a Republican who gets nailed like this, especially when you're talking about a witch hunt. 
of which there's no validity whatsoever. Also, she shut up, incidentally, during oh, yeah. her investigation. She said, I'm not talking. So now, will she be, uh, will there be a subpoena? Maybe. I think this is just symbolic in the sense of it represents how much money is being spent in this Russia investigation. Oh, absolutely. On, on, on the defendants, on right. those that are being investigated. Usually when someone proposes a law in the name of someone, it's to honor them. Not this time. You're as cold as ice. Representative Steve King, Republican uh, from, uh, I forgot where he's from, Iowa or Idaho. I always forget where he's from. He has introduced the Mayor Libby Schaff Act of 2018 be a specific federal crime to obstruct or impede the enforcement of federal law. Right. Now, whether she impeded federal law simply by saying there is going to be raids, there are going to be raids over the next several days. I'm not going to tell you where or when uh, specifically, just there are how many people who's a target. Uh, so I don't think even under this act, she would. Uh, well, that's what's that's the funny thing that under the law, he's proposing what she did wouldn't be covered anyway. Well, from president to producer, Barack and Michelle Obama have signed a deal with Netflix. Major network deal where they're producing, uh, well, it's effectively a major production company they have created, and Netflix is going to give them Tens of millions of dollars. Potentially scripted series, unscripted, docu-series, documentaries, features. Yeah, it's just... Whatever they want. Yeah, Yeah. who's ever the head of uh, Netflix just probably likes the Obamas. And that's it. Here, enjoy Although yourself. I wonder if they're getting more than Shonda Rhimes no. that they hired away or no. Ryan Murphy. No, that because they these hired people away. have winners. These people know how to run a show. I mean, they're showrunners extraordinaire. Uh, the Obamas have never have never done that. Done this, yeah. So, sure, why not? Police investigating uh, a live ferret that was shipped through the mail. I've got a but the ferret, I guess, decided that she didn't much like being mailed in a box and so chewed her way out of her box at the mail sorting facility in Denver. And she was running around the mail sorting facility. How do they ever catch her? I mean, those ferrets are impossible to catch when they start running around. Ferrets are squirrely. Oh, they, they can be mean, too. Yeah, but they're cute little pets they're until, they, they, until they bite you. Okay, let's finish it up with this story. And a woman... Who, I mean, I, McDonald's fries are great, right? But would you threaten somebody over a gun with it if you had to wait for them? Two minutes. <laughs> they told her, you know, they'll say, oh, just pull into the parking lot and we'll bring them out to you. Well, yeah, apparently she didn't like that. Said, F you, you're fat. And she oh. flung a slushy she had in her car and- at the drive through window and pulled a gun on him. And she pulled a gun. Now, I want to say something about this story. Stories like this are always one-sided. And it just, so, hey, waiting for fries at a McDonald's is a very tough thing to do. What's it, torture? I can under, I can understand her side of it. Because that's what they make. How can they run out? Yeah, and they're great fries. I'm okay with having a fresh batch. Oh, there you, you want are. me to wait a couple minutes, yeah, but they're going to be super crispy and greasy and salty. Yeah, sure. sometimes they put too much salt on them. She's going to find out that the uh, fries at the uh, local lockup are not as good as the fries at McDonald's. And when she's in front of a judge, uh, you watch what happens. The judge is going to just give her a slap on the wrist and say, ma'am, you are lucky I like McDonald's fries as much as you do. (laughs) She'll get off. Watch this. Okay. 
Coming up, Supreme Court upholds a ban on workers banding together over lost wages. Uh, the Supreme Court just dealt the workers of America, the non-unionized workers, a huge blow. And I'll explain that big, big case came down yesterday. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning, May 22. Some of the big stories that we are covering. Uh, President uh, Moon Jae-in, South Korean president, is uh, just about to meet with uh, President Trump. Talking about the planned summit in Singapore next month. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg, a Facebook CEO, is uh, meeting with European Parliament's uh, political group leaders being nailed by privacy. And that's uh, That meeting, actually that hearing starts about 9 o'clock our time. All right, now, uh, Supreme Court yesterday dealt a huge blow to American workers. And uh, in a 5-4 to four vote... The uh, court agreed with the Trump administration, and it ruled that employers may enforce individual arbitration agreements requiring workers to give up the ability to collectively pursue claims over time, uh, working conditions, that sort of thing. And I'll tell you exactly what this means. Workers are now screwed big time. Oh, incidentally, I love this. Uh, to tell you, the L.A. Times, I'm reading an L.A. Times article here amongst other, uh, uh, amongst other articles. And uh, I love, yeah, tell me that the L.A. Times uh, isn't totally biased, okay? And I'm going to read this. Uh, agreed with the, I just said, the justice by a 5-4 to four vote, agreed with the Trump administration lawyers and rules that employers may enforce so-called individual arbitration agreements. They are, because so-called, everything is so-called. I have a so-called name. We have a so-called show. You know what? We call it the Handle Show, which it means, of course, it's so-called. This is the LA Times. Drives me completely nuts. Stop it already. Anyway, the reason this is huge is if you have an individual who is treated badly or the allegation that the company is treating them badly, you could, up to this point, get together and do it as a group of people who are complaining. Well, that's no longer the case. You have to do it as an individual. And the arbitra arbitration agreements are now upheld across the board. And everybody who is non-unionized, uh, if there is, if you're working for someone, I don't care how lowly a position it is, it's a minimum wage job, uh, any company in their right mind ha produces a procedures manual, you know, rules you have to follow, employment manuals. And the prospective employer, employee, signs it. Well, in many cases, there's an arbitration contract saying you have to go to arbitration, can't take us to court. And you can't do it by yourself now, according to the new decision. And this is going to be a tough one on tens of millions of low-wage workers who do not belong to unions. Union members are exempt because they are controlled by the collective bargaining arrangement, the contracts that the unions have with employers. I haven't even seen our contract, the after contract. Uh, I even, I've never even looked at it, actually. And I wonder if it has an arbitration agreement in it. I'm sure it does. Uh, no company in its right mind would allow an employee to take it to court when they don't have to. 
go in front of an arbitrator as opposed to in front of a judge or certainly in uh, front of a jury because that's out of the question. So what does this mean? It means that, of course, employees uh, have lost a very big weapon. About 60 million non-unionized workers in the private sector are covered by these arbitration agreements. They are now upheld big time. So how did this case come down? Because aren't there laws that say that union or non-union members, employees, can in fact go to court and they can go to court as a group? Well, there are two laws involved here, and they were passed a zillion years ago. One was uh, 1925, and that was the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925. Originally, it was meant to uphold commercial contracts between companies. So that's expanded. So because of that, it's now routine for bank, credit card companies, cell phone providers, uh, amongst other companies, to include arbitration clauses in their contracts. Well, okay, that affirmed uh, employers, uh, this lawsuit affirmed employers' ability to bind workers to arbitration. But wait a minute. Isn't that in violation of the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925? Well, there also is uh, a 1930s group of labor laws, and those ask the, uh, the various workers to waive their right to take collective action. The 1930s, those laws protected workers. In the 1960s, it went further than that. So here's where the dissent went in, saying, let's look at the laws that give workers the power to band together. And the Supreme Court said, no, let's look at the laws that were passed that go the other way. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to let those laws prevail, the pro-corporate laws prevail. Now, is that a big surprise? We have elected a government that is pro-business and anti-worker and as soon as let's say it flips where it becomes a pro-employee read bernie sanders read progressives where workers rights are far greater than corporate rights it's a question of philosophy simply a question of where where you sit politically then it may go the other way except it got supreme court here and if uh, it turns out there's going to be another member of the supreme court that's going to be placed on the court by this administration. And it all has to do with uh, Ruth uh, Bader uh, Ginsburg. Is she is going to retire. She's going to do everything not to retire. She's a super lib. She hates Donald Trump. She is one of uh, four liberals. Well, three adamant liberals and then one sort of moderate liberal on the court. That may swing everything over. I mean, Roe v. Wade will be gone instantly. And then you have uh, arguing with the Supreme Court has already ruled and any new administration that's liberal uh, could never go up to the court as it's going to be comprised of more real conservatives than liberals. That's that's we're on our way to changing America big time. And this is just one of them. Workers of the world unite. Except you really can't unite when you're uh, trying to file an arbitration claim group of you then you sort of have to be on your own so workers of the world don't unite because you can't unite 
So you're on your own. I think that's effectively the phrase we have to use. All right. uh, Coming up, should parents be charged for not keeping guns away from kids? This comes out of uh, the Santa Fe High School shooting. Big issue there and your chance to win $1,000. KFI handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning. Here is your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call. If you don't answer it, they move on to somebody else. James in Fallbrook, he answered the call and won $1,000. Your next chance to win coming up next hour. All right. Uh, One of the... First of all, the big, big stories that we're covering, uh, one of uh, the big stories I just did a segment on, and uh, that is Supreme Court has ruled uh, big-time employers over employees and employees' right to uh, collectively band together to uh, argue they bid, that uh, the company has been unfair to them. Uh, also, President Moon Jae-in is uh, visiting. He should, uh, matter of fact, I think it's happening right now. In Washington, D.C., is meeting with the president. Okay, now, um, going back to uh, the Santa Fe High School shooting on Friday, 10 people were killed. Uh, the gunman, suspected gunman, Demetrios uh, Pagurtzis, uh, possessed or he came to possess two weapons belonging to his father, both of them legal. At least his father was legal owning the guns. What we don't know is the negligence, if there was any, of the dad. How did Demetrios get those weapons? Were they locked? We don't know. In a gun safe? We don't know. Did he have the combination? Who knows? So, it looks like in Texas, uh, dad appears to be immune from prosecution under law. Uh, Why? Because of the age of Demetrios. Texas law defines a child as 16 or younger. He is 17 years old. Now, interestingly enough, Texas actually has some pretty strict accountability rules for keeping guns safe. Uh, California is much looser about that. Uh, And here is uh, where the NRA is coming in. The NRA, as much as I really have a problem with the NRA, on a whole bunch of political issues, mainly the Second Amendment, because that's all they care about. Uh, This one, uh, they're pretty good on. They want guns to be safe. However, they also say you can't have a gun locked up in a safe for protection. Sort of a contradiction going there. Think about this. Guns have to be put away so kids don't have access to guns, yet at the same time, if you're using a handgun for protection... It can't be put into a safe. I mean, uh, someone comes in, an intruder comes in, and uh, there's now a danger, and it's legitimate to shoot that intruder if uh, if there's any reasonable fear. And someone coming in in the middle of the night, uh, you know, that's reasonable fear, especially if kids in the house, uh, you're going to shoot that person. Do you scream and say, wait a minute, I've got to get my gun. And then you go over to the gun safe. So it's kind of a contradiction in terms as to which way it goes. So the laws around the country are all totally different. What's the responsibility 
Uh, gun safes, do they have to be locked up? Uh, in California, for example, transporting guns, I think they have to be in uh, the trunk of a car. And uh, ammunition has to be separate. I mean, there's some pretty strict rules. And in other states, of course, it's sort of wide open. Texas, uh, as long as you are not either crazy or a felon or both, uh, everybody has a gun. It's like everybody, you know, it's the Bob Dylan stone uh, tune. Everybody should get stoned. Everybody should have a gun. And then a word uh, about the NRA, and it was occurring to me. I saw Bernie Sanders on uh, Meet the Press this, uh, this uh, past uh, Sunday, a couple days ago. And he was asked by Chuck Todd, but wait a minute. You're a proponent of the NRA. I mean, you've been in favor of the NRA for so many years. Now, Bernie Sanders comes out of Vermont, and it's a hunting state. So you can't very well say, I love restrictions on guns because everybody hunts there. And he said something, and it absolutely resonated with me. And I go back to my early days, or when I was a Boy Scout. The NRA used to be an organization that concentrated on gun safety. When I was a Boy Scout, I remember taking a course, and it was a, uh, a merit badge that I got on rifling or shooting or whatever the hell it was. And the instructors were NRA instructors. The guns were provided, their .22 uh, caliber rifles, were provided by the NRA, and it was all about gun safety. Today, when's the last time you heard the NRA talking about gun safety in classes they give? It's, a, it's an organization that is devoted to the Second Amendment. It is, it is a political organization that will fight any intrusion on the Second Amendment. There is no such thing as reasonable gun control. There isn't doesn't exist to the NRA. It's all about unfettered right to your ability, your right to possess firearms. I mean, the NRA won't even come out against bump stocks, which make semi-automatic weapons fully automatic, de facto, or de facto, could be de facto, depending on how the gun's manufactured. And Congress won't do it. I mean, bump stocks... I mean, at what point, where do you draw the line? You don't, because it becomes a slippery slope. If you allow, if you ban bump stocks, that's merely the first step in taking away everybody's guns and throwing you into prison. There's no difference between the two. Eh, where are you going to go? I don't know. I don't even know why I keep on talking. I'm just, uh, I, who am I talking to? You know, I'm peeing into the ocean here. I mean, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm taking a whiz into the wave that's coming in as if that's going to have any effect whatsoever. All right, uh, coming up, Jeff Sessions reopens uh, this entire immigration case business. The floodgates are going to be reopened. And uh, I'll tell you what makes this so interesting when we come back. This is KFI. here on a Tuesday morning. Big stories that we're covering that are trending is Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is meeting with uh, the European Parliament's political group leaders as happening uh, this morning. And this has to be do about privacy and uh, the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. Okay. Now, uh, Jeff Sessions and the Trump administration, obviously not huge fans of uh, illegal immigration. 
even legal immigration, frankly, because uh, the argument that the Trump administration is making to illegal immigrants, uh, don't do this illegally, don't cross the border illegally, why don't you just do it legally and we will allow you in? Problem is, you can't. There is no way for anybody from Central, South America, Mexico to actually come in legally, so they have no choice. So it's war. Now, the Obama administration, even though it deported more people than any other administration, still had some rules, some policies that were, I'm going to say, pro-illegal immigrant. And a lot of it has to do with just practical. And this uh, is not philosophically, because you can't argue that philosophically the Obama administration was pro-illegal alien. That's just not true. But they were very practical in the way they approached, the way the administration approached uh, the huge number of illegal aliens. So here are some rules, just some practical rules uh, and uh, what actually happens. All right. Most illegal immigrants who are apprehended in the United States without papers have a right to a hearing. They can demand a hearing in immigration court to determine whether they can be deported or whether they qualify for some form of legal status or some protection from deportation. Same process exists for people who are caught crossing the border illegally and they're claiming some sort of relief. For example, asylum. And then they pass that, pass that initial screening. This is where the Border Patrol agents sit and start asking questions. Okay, there's enough there for you to come in and ask for a hearing. And then the deportation occurs only after a judge, an immigration judge, issues a final order of removal. Well, here is the problem. There are almost 700,000 immigrants, illegal aliens, waiting to have their cases decided by the immigration courts before the government can deport them. 700,000 waiting for an immigration hearing. That backlog is unbelievable. I mean, they can't deal with it. It's, It's insurmountable. So how do you deal with it? Well, practically. Uh, Do you triple, quadruple the number of judges and add facilities? All of which, uh, certainly the facilities take years, and judges still have to be trained. And uh, I don't know if immigration uh, judges have to be lawyers. My guess is they should be lawyers trained in immigration law. But maybe there is such a need and demand for immigration lawyers uh, or immigration judges, they should just start pulling people off the street who have minimal training, some kind of uh, administrative expert. And so I don't know which way they're going to go on that one. I'll tell you the way Jeff Sessions is going to go, and he's already said this, and that is 350,000 people whose cases have been closed by the feds. So here is what happens. Is the prosecutors, in order to reduce the number of people who are going to go in front of immigration judges, offer illegal aliens this opportunity. We will close your case and not deport you. I mean, you still don't have papers. You're still illegal, but you're not going to be deported. 
right? So as of September of last year, there are more than 350,000 cases that have been closed and they've never been reopened. Sessions just ruled, and he has the ability to rule, that that entire process is illegal. All 350,000 people who the cases have been closed, the cases are now reopened. How does he do that? How is that possible? Well, because there is no such thing as an independent immigration judge. The immigration judges work for the Department of, if you want to call them judges, they're hearing officers, uh, even though they're called judges. They work for the Department of uh, of Justice, and the attorney general has the right to self, uh, what's the word they actually use? Uh, There is a a legal term uh, that they use. Uh, He can refer the case to himself for further review, which he has been doing over the past several months. So a decision is made by an immigration hearing officer. It's not even begun to be final. The attorney general can overrule that hearing individually and say, no, that person is to be deported. I don't care what the immigration judge says. And so Jeff Sessions has just said 350,000 whose cases have been closed and are now running around thinking their cases have been closed. Their cases are now open. So if you add the 700,000 people awaiting for hearings and you add 350,000 more who are, the cases are now open, that's a few people, isn't it? The backlog is now years. How many more years is the backlog going to be? Uh, It's crazy. So... Is there an answer? I don't know. Maybe it's the wall. I've come full circle. Maybe the answer is that wall. Wow, Handel, did you actually say that? You did. Oh, wow. I must be running a temperature. All right. Are all Central American immigrants purposely being targeted? The folks just from Central American being targeted by ICE, the Border Patrol? I'll share the uh, little story with you coming up. KFI, there is. When I say I love you, you say you better. You better, you better, you better. When I say I need you, you KFI. say you better. Handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning, May 22. Uh, some of the big stories that we're covering. Uh, President Moon Jae-in of South Korea is meeting with uh, President Trump. And uh, they're talking about the North Korean summit that's planned in Singapore next month, and it may be in a bit of trouble. We'll be talking about that uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, amongst other things, with uh, Brian Suits with Tactical Tuesday. There's a case going on in San Diego regarding illegal immigration. Oh, how unusual. And uh, it's become one of the major massive stories of the Trump administration And uh, also the way we feel, sanctuary states, I mean, that lawsuit is going on, Uh, the number of illegal aliens, uh, the rights, California is now pushing for illegal immigrants to get health care benefits. So it uh, goes across the board, or in this case, across the border. Uh, And so here is what's going on. There's a lawsuit from 11 people that are facing charges of illegal entry in the United States. Ten of which are from 
Honduras, or is it Guatemala? Right. Uh, 13 from Honduras, one from Guatemala, and one from Mexico, three from India. Now, uh, the Hondurans and the Guatemalan, uh, is, they're suing because they're the ones that are facing charges of being deported of illegal entry in the United States. And they're saying those three Indians, I'm talking about Dot Indian, not Feather Indian. Those three Indians are not being prosecuted. And so what the Central Americans are saying is, wait a minute. The only reason you're prosecuting us is because we're from Central America. And we're not from India or we're not from Sweden or England or Germany, or start going through the list of countries all over the world. It's because we're Central Americans. And the Central Americans have become the focal point. They're the poster children of this entire movement. Why? Because uh, that caravan, of which uh, the president made a huge deal of, and uh, proved that the wall is absolutely necessary, and the dangers of this massive uh, illegal alien movement across the border that caravan of 200 people, of which a very small number of people, uh, in fact, applied for asylum because they sat there for days and days and the government did everything it could actually to slow it down. And they'd be waiting. To, I still think people are waiting there for all I know. And the government, instead of saying, yeah, we have the right to do that. We have a right to say this country, that country. The travel ban, the argument the Trump administration and the tra- travel ban made. This isn't about Muslims. This is about countries that we think are threats. Well, how come you're not dealing with other Muslim countries that, in fact, have sent terrorists, or at least terrorists came from those countries? And because they're allies or political reasons, you're not naming them as uh, threats to the United States? And the government says, hey, that's our call. And the courts have pretty much said, hey, that's their call. So the way I read it, it's the call of the government saying, okay, we're going to prosecute. We're not going to prosecute. Now, uh, the, here is the defense the government is saying is that these Guatemalans tried to cut the line or these uh, Hondurans, Hondurians, Hondurianos, Honduricans. Uh, are, they tried to cross the line or try to cut in. While everybody was waiting and following the rules, they cut in and entered the country. And that's why we're punishing them. I mean, come on, really? Come on, seriously? And that's their argument. Now, uh, this court battle is unusual because these would normally be open and shut illegal entry cases. And the majority would end up with quick guilty pleas off they would go. However, this is a little different because the argument is, uh, in an unconstitutional way, people from this part of the world, Central America, are being discriminated against. Mm. Now, it does undercut the zero-tolerance stance of the government because under zero-tolerance, all of them, including the Indians, not Indians, not Feather Indians, all of them would be deported. And they're arguing... Why not the Indians? What, you like curry? Is that it? What, curry is your thing and not papooses? 
I like curry more than I like papooses. A nice vindaloo, lamb vindaloo. Hmm. Very nice. All right, coming up, Tactical Tuesday with Brian Suits. Right here on KFI AM 640. You've come to fight a three man. A three man you are. Pack your bags, fellas. War's over. Oh, that's brilliant, Bumpkin. Because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. KFI handle here on a Tuesday morning. Now, if you notice that uh, the bumper music we're going to be hearing this entire week is based on the graduation years of this uh, show, morning show. So today it's uh, when Wayne Resnick graduated high school, and it's the top songs of that year. And that's because of the new iHeartRadio channel graduation year. I didn't know that even existed. We've been playing the spots pretty nonstop. Oh, well. What year did Wayne graduate? Uh, 1981. Oh, okay. Def okay. Le Def Leppard, I'm assuming. Oh. All right. And then. Uh, Go to graduationplaylist.com. Okay. When do uh, we do whose birthdays here or whose um, graduation so days? So tomorrow it's going to be Jen. Thursday mm. it's going to be a combination of me and John. And Friday it's you. All right. And I think I'm doing my commencement speech on Friday. Every oh, year, every year I do a commencement speech because I'm never actually invited to do a commencement speech by anybody. So I invite myself and I do it here on KFI. No, that's not true. I have been invited once and I'm not making this up either once in all of my years. I've been here on KFI and that was a technical school in Riverside that was shut down for fraud. And there You're were probably an alumnus. Yeah, and there were six students, and they were all Iranian. And I asked if I could do it in Farsi. Insert drum shot here. Oh no, this was absolutely <laughs> oh, true. Oh, this is true. <laughs> I spoke at my high school graduation. It was broadcast on the radio. That's how small a town it was. Excellent. Okay, <clears throat> uh, that's Brian Suits, of course, and it's time for Tactical Tuesday with Brian Suits, and uh, we have much to cover. Uh, matter of fact, some of the big stories that are going on, one of them, which we're going to talk about, is that South Korean President Moon Jae-in is in Washington meeting with the president, I think, as we speak over the planned North Korean summit in uh, Singapore next month. Pre-game huddle. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk about that for a moment. And that is, this thing looked like it was going to go south pretty quickly, Based on what Kim Jong-un said, he sort of reversed course. Well, actually, it was based on a, a monumental miscommunication between the National Security uh, Advisor, John Bolton, when he said the Libya model. Right. Last week, he said the Libya model. He was talking about when Muammar Gaddafi denuclearized. When Bush overthrew Saddam, Gaddafi could not get on the phone fast enough to the U.N. And he said, get here Certify me as denuked. I, I, my capital is on the coast. I'm, I'd be done in eight hours. So Qaddafi had a far more advanced nuclear program than we knew, but he opened his doors and he said, get rid of it. And so we did. That's the Libya model of denuclearization. When, when uh, someone asked Trump, what about the Libya model and North Korea, Trump thought they were talking about when Obama loaned the Air Force to the Libyan re rebels 
and Gaddafi wound up being yanked out of a drainage ditch and violated with a rebar and then shot in the head. Yeah, That's not the Libya model. That wasn't our model. Yeah, so what, what Trump is, misunderstood what the question was. Well, uh, now we uh, go to, just a quick aside, Bill Gates uh, is, uh, after he got out of his uh, meeting with the president, said the president actually did not understand the difference between HIV and HPV. He asked him. Ooh. And uh, That's according to Bill Gates. Yeah. And so and, and, and so what what are the North Koreans here? The North th- Koreans didn't hear, oh, if we denuclearize like Gaddafi did, we'll be a second South Korea. We'll be exporting phones. They heard what Trump responded to. They heard the you know, violent overthrow of a dictator who eats a bullet at the end of the movie. With the American complicity. Uh, yeah. With the US Air Force circling overhead, doing smoke trails and, and all that. And so the North Koreans uh, you know, they they reacted that way. They they said, "This is not how you talk before a summit." Yeah, which and they're not real happy. Uh, well, I don't blame them. But uh, does that mean that the uh, the summit itself is in jeopardy? Uh, probably not, because the United States has made just the summit the finish line, which is stupid. You do that with the North Koreans. This is an old game of theirs. Is they'll agree to a summit, then they'll pull the football back from Charlie Brown, and you give them a concession just to agree to what they already agreed to. So we've done that. There, there is going to be a summit. We're, we're going to give up half the farm beforehand. President Moon right now is in the Oval Office telling Trump, listen, I speak English and I speak Korean. The North Koreans did not say denuclearize in the English context. They, they said uh, denuclearize as in not threaten their neighbors. But they're not giving up their nukes, and you need to know that before you get on the plane. So with North Korea saying that it will never give up its nukes or nuclear or nuclear weaponry capabilities, and the United States saying it is a given that they must give up their nukes before we go anywhere, where we go into lifting of sanctions, helping them out, uh, their economy— where are they going to go? That's part of the negotiation, is that they get to give a bit and we get to give a bit, you know, and, and, and all that. Nothing is a, is a you know, the ink isn't dry on, on those negotiations. It's kind of like what the Secretary of State said about Iran yesterday. So with the North Koreans, um, you know, they're, they're pulling the rug on the negotiations, and we're saying, well, maybe we won't give you a security assurance. And then a document leaked magically. You know, the Pentagon's just a real sieve, and that's I'm being ironic. It's not. The secrets they want to keep, they keep. Um, and so magically a document was leaked that was written in May of last year uh, detailing how the Pentagon is going to cyber attack the North Korean missile forces, as they say, left of launch, you know, in a timeline. That means before launch. So, we're, so we basically have told the North Koreans, well, then you're going to want to see option B. Option A is you talk to us, but if you don't, Option B is ready to go and ask the Iranians how that worked out with right. their nuclear program. All right. Uh, and, but that was mainly the, uh, the Israelis. No, it wasn't. It. You're talking about the Stuck's, Stuck's virus? Not, yeah. The Israelis were given the credit and you're saying it wasn't the Iranians. It wasn't. Israelis. They were part of it. All right. They, in gonna, fact, they screwed it up. Oh, that's excellent. All right. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Pompeo and Iran and how the Stuck's virus, which I just said was Israeli and is not. I always want to give Israelis They were credit. part of it. It was U.S., Britain, and Israel. I'm just a big fan of uh, Peter and Hummus. That's all. And, uh, I hear you're sympathetic. And uh, <laughs> really? Just a touch bias and $1,000 uh, that you can win when we come back. It's KFI Handle here. That's the music. That's uh, 81? That's weird. I'll trust right, John. First, first, let's start with your chance to win some cash. 
your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. If you win, they're going to call you. But if you don't answer, you won't win. Joyce in Artesia answered that call, and she won $1,000. You've got another chance to win next hour. All right, uh, real quickly, the bumper music that you're hearing, incidentally, uh, is uh, every day it's uh, another batch of bumper music based on the year that we graduated high school. Today, it's Wayne Resnick, 1981. Friday, it's going to be me. Then we have John. And, well, tomorrow, I think, is Jennifer. And then uh, Thursday is John and Alex. And Friday is me. Okay. I love Glenn Miller. I can't wait for Friday. That's very... That's, Thank you. Good night. As, uh, no, that's very good. I'll show myself off. Lawrence Welk uh, is, is a big... I'm a big fan of Lawrence Welk. Okay. You guys ready to do it? Sure. Back we go to Brian Suits. Brian, uh, who's heard every Saturday and Sunday here on KFI, 10 to midnight on Saturday and 8 to 10 on Sunday. All right. So we come up, we go on with Tactical Tuesday, and yesterday, Mike Pompeo's Iran demands, and it seemed uh, that it was a guarantee we will never, ever be able to sit down with Iran based on what he said in his demands. Seems impossible. He basically said to Iran, stop being Iran. Stop... Uh, supporting Hezbollah, stop developing ballistic missiles, which, by the way, the U.N. has said, uh, stop the nuclear program, stop supporting terrorism. And the hammer fell one hour ago. Because one hour ago, the Treasury Department released the name uh, the names of five Iranian individuals who, who are linked to the Revolutionary Guard Corps, who are the guys who really run Iran. They're the KGB of Iran. And uh, they are international businessmen and Iranian citizens who are the money launderers uh, who actually are the guys who facilitate transferring money to terrorists in Peru or terrorists in Sudan or terrorists in Glendale. And so they've been sanctioned, so that means they can't bank in the in the United States. If they bank in the EU, we're going to sanction the bank that they're going to uh, bank through. But the, the Iranians use a pretty complex series of cutouts from, uh, you know, friend of a friend to a friend of a friend to a brother-in-law, all, right. all the way back to Whittier. Uh, and that's that's how they do it, and they've been they're they're masters at it. They've been doing it for forty years. So it's legitimate. I mean, the sanctions actually do have some bite because every time I hear sanctions uh, to Russia, Russian sanctions, it's some guy in the inner circle, Putin's yeah. inner circle, that he can't bank anymore. We freeze his assets. That means nothing. And it's even harder than the others. Then the next week, it's even harder than last yeah, week. Yeah, it means nothing. And but, a fate worse than but, a fate worse. But this than sounds like there's some bite to it. Yeah, it's the beginning, and these are guys who are in the inner circle of the so-called right. Kuds force. And so this is so. Yesterday, Pompeo lays out what seems to be a impossible list, but. It is a negotiation, isn't it? He Now he's given the Iranians a menu, uh, and the Iranians can say, look, dropping the ballistic missile program we can do. We can renegotiate the nuke thing, but we're never going to stop funding Hezbollah. However, uh, let me come back with he has made it so punitive oh, yeah. that even sitting down with us, the Iranians will look uh, like weaklings. Um, yeah, now, obviously Friday's parade is going to be heavy on the death to America, and that's always their initial reaction publicly. Politically, they have to. For Trump, he has two and a half, well, he has two years and five months for this to pay off. So he's playing, he, this is what the Iranians know, he can harm them quite a bit in t- two years and, and five months before the next election. And, and if, can they hold out? They cannot. So at some point, they have to come forward and Trump, 
uh, just got a new campaign commercial. So this is what he, he the game he's playing is you do this early in your administration like Obama should have. You do this early and you get results before your second term. The Iranians will come to the table. They will. Okay. Uh, Brian, Saturday and Sunday here on KFI. Anything personal going on? I have this rash uh, in a private place. Excellent. Because it's uh, the humidity. Yeah, I really was more leaning towards uh, any events you have or listing your website. uh, Yeah, the Bravery Brewing on Thursday. I'll be there with Gary and Shannon. So I want my my peeps, they work for a living. So they have to, they can't be there till noon, but they're making secret stuff at the Lockheed Skunk Works. So when they get when they go to lunch, come to Bravery Brewing on Thursday, and you can meet Wyatt, the three footed dog. Excellent. All right, and that's uh, coming up. As a matter of fact, coming up, it's handled on the news late edition, and I'll do that with the morning crew. In the meantime, uh, there's Jennifer Jones Lee with. Handle on the news, late edition. Handle on the news. I am beginning a new journey to walk with you along the path of mercy and the tenderness of Bill Handel. KFI Handel here, and uh, good morning on a Tuesday, May 22nd. All right, got a lot going on. We have a, what is it, a new associate in uh, part-time producer, Morgan, from Arkansas, University of Arkansas. Welcome, Morgan. Yeah. Hi, Morgan. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell goes to school in Arkansas? You have to put your microphone on. You're trying to get into business. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I made a terrible mistake. I'm from Dallas. I took a detour to Arkansas and finally made it out here. So, Wow. (laughs) There you are. But I have a degree. Wait, you were an out-of-state student? I was. In Arkansas. Arkansas. Isn't that crazy? A majority of the students in Arkansas are from Texas. Yeah. Wow. Believe it or not. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Sex education is, uh, they bring in a cow, right? Yep. And all the guys line up? Yeah. They take turns? <laughs> Actually didn't get to take that class because I'm a girl, but that's what they did. All right. Why don't we just uh, move on, all right? She's going to fit right uh, in. She's going to fit right in. All right, we're asking you to please donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative get prepared California. $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Skyscape in downtown L.A. It's 1,000 feet up in the air. You have to be 21 years or older. 10, 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com, and the search word is Mixer. Now, uh, the Get Prepared California is about earthquakes. Yes. We have to time it where I do this commercial in the middle of an earthquake. Uh, so here's what you have to do, Alex. If you hear it start, right, you can hear the rumble, hand me this thing. I'll immediately break and we'll do this uh, this spot. Okay. Now, let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Lead story. Sherry, Sherry lady, All right. The woman arrested in Rolling Hills Estates, that stabbing death last week, uh, released. She's out of jail. She got her out-of-jail card. Not enough evidence to charge her, the yeah, DA says. At this point. But right. they're, they very well may gather more evidence. Yeah, they say they're still very much yeah. on track. So that doesn't necessarily mean that she's not going to be arrested. It just it was maybe she was arrested prematurely. That's pretty normal, though, right? Yeah. For them to want to gather more. 
Well, there's a police union in San Francisco that wants to expand the powers to tase people who don't even pose a threat. Don't tase me, bro. I didn't do anything. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the police. Now, this is San Francisco. What are the chances of this thing coming down? Although the police commission approved uh, tasers for the city's police. Which shocked the heck out of me. Yep. Ha, ha, ha. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't even mean to. I uh, know. They it want to. Good. It's kind of a subtle distinction they're looking for. They can tase you if you're violently resisting. Now they want to be able to tase you if you're actively resisting. Well, is, is this there, supposed to target like wait mentally ill people? Uh, I hope so. Uh, old, ill people in wheelchairs. Those are the ones you no, really want to tase. Uh, the difference between violent mm-hmm. and uh, not so violent... Right, but active. Active—that's the word. Uh, you tell me the difference when a policeman writes a report. Oh, it'll be written as violently. Every single resisting. one. Uh, what is actively resisting without being violent? I don't know. That's the question I'm asking. Like violently resisting would be pu- if you're Maybe. punching the officer right. and stuff what like that. What if you're just moving clear. around? What if you're just what if you're squirrely and right. you're just wriggling Slightly away? Right. That's actively resisting. And they can if, tase you and under you, this. Proposed and if thing. it's argued you're going for the gun, you're shot. You're done. Well, if you go for the gun, you or, should be or, shot. Yeah, it's at well said. Well, uh, in about 20 minutes, assuming they run on time, Mark Zuckerberg is going to start facing lawmakers in Europe. And uh, it's a one-hour session. That's it. And I don't know be- how many different times they can rip him a new one in That's one right. hour, but well, several, you know, I'm the guessing. Fr- the, you know, the French are going to ask him, what does he think of baguettes The uh, and brie? Oh, they should ask you about yeah, the baguettes. They should. The Italians are going to talk about uh, pasta. No. They're, they're going to ask him the same questions about privacy. Uh, how do you stop what happened? Uh, it's It's stupid because they have their questions. He's already rehearsed all of his answers. And we can tell right now the questions and the answers. Why bother? I wonder if it'll be more aggressive against him, though, than the questioning here. I think here so. Was. I do. I think yeah, so. Yeah, well, the European Parliament is, first of all, they hate business. Uh, they're all a bunch of socialists to begin with. So to see one of the epitome success stories of capitalism on the planet in front of them, uh, he is, I think he is offensive to the European Parliament simply because of who he is. And I think it starts at that point. And KFI's biz and tech expert Jason Middleton actually has a link to the testimony. So I just retweeted that out for us at JJLKFI if you want to watch Zuckerberg squirm. Well, the president says, my phones are secure. You used to call me on the cell phone. At any given time, the president has two separate devices. One he uses to make calls on, one he uses to tweet on. But apparently he's supposed to swap those out every month for security reasons. But the president says, you know, that is way too much hassle and doesn't want to do it. So so he doesn't. And they're saying that because of advancements in technology and whatnot, that's why they often have him swap out his cell phones. But they're saying no matter what, his cell phones are secure. And just because he doesn't do what previous administrations have, maybe the security is better than it was in previous administrations. Well, they're also saying that that report in Politico is not true. And that every time they've said, hey, you need a new phone, that he's accepted a new phone. That's what they said. So this is somebody's lying about a factual 
circumstance. Well, I, I have a feeling it is when they say, hey, look, you have to do it this time. He'll go, okay, fine. Maybe yeah. when they say to him, like, hey, yeah, do you want to swap I, it out now? No, I'm good. I you know what I mean? Fe- I have a feeling sides. he actually pays attention. One of the things, Bill Clinton never paid attention to the Secret Service, ever. Uh, Hillary Clinton just abused them. And uh, you have Barack Obama. I remember when he first started as president, someone asked him about the Secret Service. And uh, he said, that's their job. Of course I have to listen to them. I mean, that's... I have to pay attention to what they do. And uh, I think Donald Trump is that same ilk. He's had security for most of his adult life. So I think he's well used to it. So I tend to believe uh, the Trump uh, side on this one. Take a break. Uh, we'll come back and we have more. Handle on the news, late edition. KFI handle here. Oh, some more music from the year that uh, Wayne Resnick graduated. Yeah. Yeah, this is a stupid song. That one oh, I out? love this song. Really? Right here, Tom. Yeah, this is what happens when I'm not asked. No, you're right. This if is I not have a bad any song. preferences. Yeah, no, Dolly Parton. Okay, this is a good one. Great Thank movie. You. Yeah, no, good movie. Really Nine good. Nine to five. Movie. No, you're right. Take it back. It actually is a pretty good song. I was thinking of something else. All right, let's move ahead and. Oh. Yeah, all right. Yeah, Darian yeah, Shannon are bringing their News and Brews event to Bravery Brewery in Lancaster. It's happening this Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Bravery Brewings at 42705 8th Street West, Lancaster, California. They have the zip code on here, 93534. Okay. Uh, go to KFIAM640.com, keyword Gary and Shannon for all the info. All right. Oh, that's okay. I feel pretty good about pitching that. It's all the rest of this stuff that I have uh, such a hard time with. Okay, let's do it, guys. Let's finish up Handle on the News Late Edition, and that is with Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, The Boston Globe is reporting that sometimes when Trump tweets, he doesn't. Trump, yeah. Two sources, again, not on the record, say sometimes White House aides will tweet as the president. In his style. In his style of grammar that's not, you know, 100% pristine. With words but like who's is? And also his, uh, <laughs> sort of the way he deals with it, uh, uh, just his speaking pattern, his tweeting pattern, uh, that sort of thing. Remember when he tweeted that word, kofefe? Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, I wonder I if it was when, uh, him or it, an aide now. I know, you can't, uh, well, thank God that's gone, because you can't have a typo in this world, can no. you? Hey, or, if you wear a Fitbit, yeah, there's a chance you could get shocked. Yeah. That'll kill you every single time. Not only exercise, but this Fitbit business, when it gives you electrical shock. It's like a dog collar that tells you, electric uh, dog collar, that tells you when you're exercising too much, it shocks you. You should wear it around your neck. I think it's actually a manufacturing defect. Well, or they're wondering, too, if it has the static electricity in your body that helps to sort of combine with the place where you plug in the Fitbit. But a couple of people have said they've been shocked by one. Yeah, You can also pick them up at S&M clubs. On Saturday, Starbucks announced, uh, come on in, use our seats, use our tables, use our restrooms. Today, they're starting to clarify that policy. You're supposed to be yeah. Uh, you can't do anything right. in the Starbucks, for example, if you're talking too loudly, playing loud music, if you're viewing inappropriate content. Yeah, but that's sort of a given. You can be asked to That's leave. sort of a given. But here's the bottom line. Is Starbucks a business that caters to customers, or is it a 
public place that it uh, becomes this liberal organization that helps the homeless because they're the ones that people are kind of concerned with. And, you know, the bottom line is uh, if I see a homeless guy in a Starbucks, I'm done. I'm not showing up again. You know, you guys deal with it. I wonder how much that's going to cost. And, and at what point are we going to start throwing people out? What do you do with three or four homeless people sitting in Starbucks? People are going to start going through the drive-thru. Yeah, that, that smell like an Iraqi sheep herder. I apologize to Iraqi sheep herders who have not bathed in several weeks. I know that Iraqi sheep herders do bathe a lot. Nicely saved. Thank you. So this kid in South Carolina has a 4.89 grade point average. He was homeschooled in a Christian-based program, and his family wanted to get him a cake for graduation, right? But apparently you can't write summa cum laude on a cake anymore. No. Because uh, the uh, cake store, this is from a Publix uh, uh, supermarket, right, yeah, uh, kind of misunderstood the middle word in summa cum laude. They didn't quite get it. So that tells you two things. Number one, uh, I wouldn't say these people that work there are the brightest people in the world, and you think they graduated with honors? Not. Yeah, it's summa cum laude, you morons. They actually just wrote summa and then hyphens and then laude on the cake. <sighs> uh, new legislation being proposed. It would require your airlines, your rail lines, your buses to have anti-harassment rules. This comes on the heels of that survey. Uh, 35% of flight attendants said they've experienced verbal harassment. Yeah. 18% said they've been physically abused. So yeah, they, don't th- they don't throw people off airplanes very often. They allow a lot of harassment, and even when they do throw people off of airlines, it's not as if they're banned from coming back. There is no, uh, no fly list that exists. Not only should, if someone is that egregious, not only should that person be banned from a given airline, but I would hope they would share that with uh, other airlines. But then, of course, you have the due process issue. They have a right to uh, do they have a right to contest it? And what do you need? And you need panels and immigration judges. But it's not judges. the government doing and it then, to you. So and then, right, Jeff Sessions has to come in and override the decision. I get all that. All right, we're done, guys. Uh, coming up, Dr. Jim Keeney is joining us with some medical news. Uh, vaping, not such a good idea. And then what's happening at home? Actually, we're going to talk about my mother who is uh, parked in a board and care. And she does the best impression of a paperweight I've ever seen in my life. I know that's, listen, unfortunately, uh, her quality of life is not wonderful. That's the problem here. I want to talk about that too. Okay, uh, we're coming back with that. Uh, Emails go to uh, Alex Razzo. Instead of me, KFI AM 640. Oh, yeah. Handle here. Uh, Bumper music today. And we are celebrating the 1981 graduation of uh, Wayne Resnick, high school graduation. And so this entire week we'll be playing uh, music from the year in which we graduated. Tomorrow it's Jen, and uh, Thursday it's John and Alex together. And Because you graduate at the same time? He graduated 2010, I graduated 2011, and if you look at the list, basically the same thing. So. And uh, then on Friday it's me. Oh, and I'm giving my uh, commencement speech on Friday. I do this every year. Maybe I didn't do it last year. No, you did. It was actually really good. It was the day I graduated. You gave it. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
All right. And why do I give it? Uh, because no one ever invites me, so I have to invite myself. And so I've accepted my invitation to give a commencement speech. I feel very important. I may give myself an honorary degree from here, too. Haven't decided. An honorary doctorate. What do you think? Okay. Uh, Jim Keeney, uh, who uh, has a real doctorate, as in uh, a medical degree. Uh, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Now, you're a real doctor. As my mother would say, you're a doctor doctor. You're not a dentist doctor. You're a doctor doctor. And my JD, jurisprudent, doctor of jurisprudence, uh, means nothing. You know that, don't you? There's a, I shouldn't even use the word doctor in the title. And it's true. I've actually talked to your mother and, and called her doctor, right? Because she's a dentist. She's a dentist. And, she's, and she goes, and she no. She corrected me and she said, no, I'm not a real doctor. You're a real doctor. That is correct. <laughs> and then if you're a specialist, uh, and you're close to it, I mean, being an ER specialist, but uh, when you start reaching into the, uh, the super specialties and the surgery, those are real doctors. Like my son, the neurosurgeon. I mean, it doesn't get better than right. that, does it? All right. Uh, it really doesn't. I know. <laughs> and the fact they don't make a living anymore because of insurance and the Medicare, but that's besides the point. All right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I know. know. So uh, isn't it weird that people actually go into medicine because they want to help people now? It's crazy. I mean, those and those poor suckers who do all that, like, seven years of training to be a neurosurgeon, you know, only to get paid, you know, like, what you know, babysitter pay. It's yeah, great. like, yeah, plumbers. Uh, it's great. You can make a lot more money. All right. So uh, there is a story, uh, and uh, this may be just a weird, just one in a million stories, or this may actually be something that people ought to be concerned with. And that's the 18-year-old that was vaping. And in a matter of just weeks, uh, diagnosed with hypersensitivity pneumonia, uh, uh, pneumonitis. Pneumonitis. There it is. Uh, wet lung disease. Uh, so, uh, is this a weird one, or is this something people who vape ought to be concerned about? Okay. Well, I mean, on one hand, we don't have a lot of data on on you know things that happen after you vape. So it's interesting to have this case report come out and, and know about it. But we have kind of a saying, you know, especially the simpler doctors in the world, we have a saying that if it's a case report, it means you don't need to know about it because basically it's never happened and it probably never will happen. But, you know, this is a relatively new device. So you wonder, are, are we going to see more of this, especially as uh, the concentrations and some of the things like nicotine that they're putting in these things go up, you know, the, the Sales uh, of the uh, and the use is directly correlated to how much nicotine they put in the device. So people, are, the manufacturers realize that and are basically competing for who can put the most in there. All right, with cigarettes, you 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 know how much nicotine is going to go in it, and so the ones that uh, that run the gamut yeah. from the, I mean, the least to the most, it's it's not that big a deal. It's, you're not going to see three four times the amount of nicotine in a cigarette uh, that you are going to uh, an e-cig, right? Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, while I think cigarettes are manipulated and probably have nicotine added to them, um, no, they're, they're not going to have three, four times like what you can get with vaping. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, the scary part is when I talk to my – so my, my oldest son is in college now, and when I talk to him about vaping, he's like, yeah, there's some kids that do it, but it's kind of fringy and it's not, you know, the, the majority. Now I have a, a 15-year-old in high school, and I was dropping him off at school today and asked him this, and he's like, Dad, 
more than 90% of kids have tried vaping at least. But, you know, not everybody does it, but it's really common. Everybody, you know, has exposure to it. So, I mean, it's, it, then the studies show 900% growth in e-cigarette use from 2011 to 2015. So who knows what it's been from 2015 to now. So uh, are we looking at something that we know is uh, not very healthy or bottom line, not healthy at all? We just don't know the extent yet. And it's uh, we follow the same, uh, the same pattern as cigarettes, that the more we knew, the more dangerous they are? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the concern because we're taking the the propellant the the liquid part of it so i mean just to to kind of go over what what vaping is right it's a little device uh where you can have liquid in it and then a little heating coil and that heating coil uh then allows the liquid to turn into a vapor that you inhale into your lungs well the liquid is ethylene glycol which is basically antifreeze with a little bit of glycerin in it and then they add flavors sometimes they add nicotine sometimes they add marijuana or you know other drugs so um you know it's just uh, common sense tells you you're inhaling you know, vaporized antifreeze and glycerin, it just doesn't sound good. No, it uh, really doesn't. Although, if you're thinking, uh, let's say vaping without nicotine, then the only issue is, of course, the the antifreeze, if you will. And so, uh, at that point, it can't be that dangerous unless you're doing it for a lifetime, right? You know, again, yeah, whenever you're talking about toxins, exposure and length of time, you know, frequency of exposure, those are all important things to know. So, you know, somebody who vapes once in their life, obviously. Oh, yeah, obviously. Even if this stuff is bad. So I'm just taking the extremes, right? So if somebody vapes once in a while, uh, then then they're not going to have the same exposures if they if they vape their whole yeah. life. And and that's the concern, though, is there are there different populations where it looks OK when you're vaping as a teenager, but then suddenly as you get older, uh, all these things start to hit you know we'll find out and these are basically the guinea pigs that are using it right now yeah my just as a quick aside uh marjorie is leaving for amsterdam this afternoon uh because one of her best friends uh is dying of uh, lung cancer and this will probably be the last last time she's alive and as uh, marjorie said how devastating it was when we first heard i said who would have ever thought smoking two packs of cigarettes a day starting at 17 would ever be bad for you and uh Yep. Well, especially since back then, remember, doctors were prescribing it, not maybe a little further back than then. Doctors were prescribing it for asthma as yep. a treatment for asthma. Crazy, isn't it? All right, we're going to come back uh, and I uh, want to talk about, uh, and this is something that you care about, uh, quality of care, improving quality of care for patients at home, how that actually makes so much more sense in making our uh, our medical system just more efficient. We'll be back with Dr. Jim Keeney and your chance. Believe it or not, here on a uh, Tuesday morning, May 22. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. If you're the winner, they're going to call you, but you have to answer the call like Angela in San Clemente. She won $1,000, and you have another chance to win $1,000 next hour. Back we go uh, with Dr. Jim Keeney. Uh, Jim, the ER specialist, actually uh, the chief of staff elect at Mission Hospital. Do I have that right? 
That's correct. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, not that you get a lot more money, but you just have to work three times as hard. Uh, congratulations. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's quite all right. Now, uh, a quick word, and we've talked about this before. Uh, my mom is in a board and care. Uh, she doesn't do well. She doesn't have any cognitive ability, so uh, she's sitting there parked. Uh, but uh, since we're Kaiser members, she does have a regular staff coming. She has nurses and therapists coming on a regular basis. And I've always assumed that's pretty expensive stuff, that it really makes no sense. And in reality, it's the other way around. Is that? Do I have that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's a lot cheaper to take care of somebody in a setting like that than in the hospital. I mean, in fact, that's what that's what everybody's trying to avoid. If, if the hospitals are so expensive, if we can do it outside the hospital, then let's give it a shot. Well, when you talk about the hospitals being so expensive, I mean they're already built, right? So uh, you're talking about an infrastructure that's already there. The nurses, for the most part, are already there. Does it matter if you add three or four people? Uh, to a floor sure. does it make yeah. any difference? Yeah, I mean it does because uh, there's nursing nursing staff ratio. So you need uh, one nurse to every four patients in a low level setting. In a high level setting, it could be one to one. So if you add a patient to the ICU, you know, and you do that every day, you, you're you're looking at uh, two and a half full time equivalents uh, of right. nursing. Right, and so now we're talking about maybe you know if they make one hundred fifty thousand a year or something close to that. Then uh, you're, you're talking about three hundred thousand a year or more for maybe half a million a year uh, and that, just by adding that extra person. Right, one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for a nurse. Well, yeah, I don't know overtime and everything else. Yeah, I think they make about uh, you know somewhere in that range. Yeah, it's twice as much money as you make, Jim. Why'd you go to medical school? I, I, know, I know, I should have just gone that route. Should have, yeah, yeah, uh, just no, become a work, nurse. They work much harder than I do, man. I would never want that job. Right. So, uh, in, in God terms. Bless them. Uh, so how would it change? What uh, what would you put someone in a hospital now for uh, that you would argue that should be done at home? Okay, so, I mean, there's a, this is the real issue is the more we can take care of outside the hospital, the less time you spend in the hospital. So it may not necessarily stop an admission, but it may shorten the admission. If you shorten it from six days to three days, it's the same effect. You basically reduce time. The other issue is we, this concept of readmission. And uh, and so Medicare back in 2013 changed the rules. And they said, look, if you admit somebody to the hospital and within 30 days they have to come back, we consider the work you did a failure and we will not pay you for that work. So uh, since 2013, guess what? Uh, readmission rates between the first 30 days have dropped pretty significantly because doctors, uh, hospitals lose money if if the person comes back. And that makes sense. And so what happens? Go ahead. What, what that what that does is it changes a hospital from a hotel to somebody that's more motivated to to look at the big picture because a hotel. The more occupancy you have, the more money you make, and that's the way hospitals always have been. But now, uh, if you can keep people out of the hospital, you make more money. And so suddenly hospitals are partners in trying to figure out ways to keep people at home and well cared for at home. Uh, also, just a, a quick uh, a, just a, a note of my experience. Uh, you know, I was in the hospital for eight lovely days. Boy, that was a vacation uh, that I had a couple of months ago. And uh, hospitals, you do not heal in a hospital at all. I mean, you don't sleep. Uh, they're poking three times uh, a day with the blood. I mean, it's a miserable place to be, hospitals. 
It is. And, and so, I mean, think about the efficiency. You already have a roof. You already have a bed. If we can put you in your own home, you're more comfortable. You're happier. You actually do heal better and faster as long as we can provide the appropriate support. And now with all the uh, technology, you know, I mean, we have smartphones that can track your weight. So if you have congestive heart failure, we know as you gain weight, you're adding water to your body and you're going to need to be hospitalized. So we can track it, uh, you know, passively where you just step on a scale and it gets sent to the doctor and we can intervene before you need to go to the hospital. Same thing with vital signs. And we can even do it with uh, medications now. There's, there's these smart pills that uh, you, you put a patch on your, on your body. It sends a signal to your phone every time you take the pill. So the doctor can call you and say, hey, you haven't taken your pill for two days. You need to get on the ball here. So there's a lot of new technology and there's a lot of new motivations now that align everyone. So where before doctors made more money, the more they did. Hospitals made more money, the more patients were admitted. Now we're aligning all those incentives so that people are motivated to use the appropriate. Because if you don't do enough, if you don't admit people when they need to be admitted, you end up costing more money too because, uh, you know, they end up staying longer, and you're only going to get paid a certain amount for a diagnosis. So we're starting to get to that place where everybody's in line. Everybody's got the same motivation. Let's do the best for the patient because the best for the patient is the cheapest for the health system as well. All right, Jim. Thank you. Always good Anytime. stuff. All right, uh, Jim Keeney, uh, Dr. Jim, who is uh, going to be the chief of staff, Mission Hospital. He works at the ER. All right, uh, here's a question. Uh, and this has to do with the story of uh, the Border Patrol up north in Montana, where uh, those two uh, Hispanic American citizens uh, were detained because they spoke Spanish. Uh, wow. The Border Patrol, aren't those guys in trouble? No. Absolutely not. And I'll explain why. This is KFI Jennifer Jones-Lee, who gets detained by the Border Patrol on a regular basis. <laughs> Probably. That's KFI handle here. You know, for some reason my headphone, my headset is only on, on one side. It's driving me crazy. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Nothing like one side, one ear, just is very strange. Not that you care, but I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, donate to help the American Reds Cross Initiative to get prepared California. For your $400 donation, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A. You have to be 21 to attend, 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. Limited tickets. Uh, for details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the search word is Mixer. We covered uh, the story big time about uh, the two American women uh, that were stopped, actually detained in a small town in Montana by the Border Patrol. They were at a gas station, one of those uh, little stores at a gas station, and the Border Patrol agent asked them for ID. And they said, why are you stopping us? Because you were speaking Spanish. That's why. And the agent said uh, to, in defense of his position, hey, we're in Montana. And uh, we just don't have, and near the border, and we, Canadian-American border, and we don't have many people up here who speak Spanish. 
Well, that's true because everybody speaks moose in Montana, uh, where they, how do you call a moose? There's a moose call somewhere in there. So the point is that, uh, just, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, there's a story there, too. So uh, they're speaking Spanish, and immediately uh, they are uh, questioned. And for some reason, the agent, well, we know exactly what reason, decided to detain them for 30, 40 minutes to check to see if they were here legally. They're both American citizens, incidentally. I think one of them was born in the United States, and uh, the other one came over and was uh, fairly young at the time. So, I mean, of course that was an uproar. I mean, it exploded. How dare the agent does uh, do that? Do they have a right to do that, though? Is the agent in trouble? Well, let me tell you about the law. The Border Patrol absolutely has the right to stop you for the, sole per, per, uh, the, for the sole reason you are speaking a different language. How is that possible in this country? Well, it has to do with two things. The U.S. border zone, any area within 100 miles of a land or water border, and the authority that Congress has given the Border Patrol. They can stop and question virtually anybody who is suspected of being in the country illegally. And the Supreme Court has upheld this uh, time and time again. Recent videos you've seen of Border Patrol agents boarding Greyhound buses, Amtrak trains in Florida and New York to question passengers about their citizenship status. I mean, not based on a tip, but based on let's get aboard the train and simply question people. Uh, This is kind of nuts because you think, okay, how about the Fourth Amendment where Americans uh, have rights to privacy, protection from unreasonable government intrusions and searches? And believe me, asking someone, uh, are you a citizen? Uh, Would you prove you're a citizen? I'm going to ask you about your citizenship for the sole reason that you're speaking a foreign language or let's say you're dressed, you're wearing some kind of garb from another country. Say you're going to some kind of an ethnic festival and you're dressed in whatever ethnic clothing. That's enough. Clothing, that's enough for the Border Patrol to stop you. And why is this? Because it's that 100-mile zone. And the bar for what is considered a reasonable stop is far, far lower at the border. In 1946, Congress passed the Immigration and Nationality Act, which granted immigration agents the authority to interrogate any alien or any person believed to be an alien as to his rights to be or remain in the United States. Now, keep in mind, this is right after World War II, the year after World War II ended. There were spies aplenty that were all over the United States, particularly German spies, not Japanese spies. Of course, we interred the Japanese, and there wasn't one case of spying as they were sitting in internment camps all over the uh, western part of the United States. But uh, this country was riddled with German spies. And so uh, it turned out that that was the philosophy. For example, uh, one nation under God uh, with uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. You know when under God started? In the 50s, during the McCarthy era, 
when you had to declare your loyalty to the United States. Before that, it was nobody cared. Different time, different place. And so that's when all of this started. But it turns out that the uh, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Uh, here's a case, 1975, United States versus Bergononi. Uh, the court ruled, Supreme Court case, that it was a violation of the Fourth Amendment for the Border Patrol agents to stop a car only because the driver looked Mexican. However, uh, the justice did rule that that was a relevant factor that you can determine, help determine, that someone is an alien based on the fact that he or she looked Mexican. And that's been expanded now. Now, it's these guys can stop this woman or these two women and say... You're speaking Spanish. That's enough doubt in my mind that gives me enough reasonable doubt to question you that you're American. I mean, it's pretty crazy. That's for sure. So uh, the lawmakers, Congress, are now looking at this going, wait a minute. Uh, They may have the right to do it now, but really? Because someone is speaking Spanish? And how many Americans do you think speak Spanish now? In Montana, it's... Basically, yeah, two people. That's right. And they're gone now. They've left. But in uh, Montana, foreign-speaking people are like 3% or under 3%. The number one place in the country where they have foreign-speaking people as a first language is California with 35%. And guess what language? No, it's Laplander. I, I just made that up. Of course, it's Spanish. Okay. Let's move over to China. Boy, we're on a world trip today, aren't we? So China and its one-child policy, there's a world to that. And has that backfired on them? And they're changing it. And uh, we'll, we'll share that with you when we come back. Well, actually, I'll share that with you. It's the royal we. We are not amused. Uh, that's coming up. KFI AM 640. <laughs> KFI Handle here on a Tuesday morning. A lot of news coming up today. Uh, President uh, Moon of uh, South Korea is uh, meeting with uh, with our president in the Oval Office right now, uh, talking about uh, the run-up to the big summit on uh, June 12th. And uh, yesterday, Supreme Court ruled uh, that if you work for a company, uh, you are screwed basically in terms of collective bargaining and uh, going arbitration agreements. And uh, that'll be talked about for the next couple of days for sure. All right, uh, moving to China. China has had a one-child policy for about four decades because the Chinese population is exploding or was exploding. Now 1.2 billion people uh, in uh, the uh, in China, which is by far the most populous country in the world. So uh, in order to slow down this population growth, what uh, the Chinese government did, and of course they have the power to do that, is to say one kid, that's it. And if you have two kids, big fines are in place. In some cases, it's forced abortions. I mean, it's not like they pick you up, uh, pick a woman up and drag her into an abortion clinic, but made it very difficult to have two kids. And so that backfired on uh, this uh, government, for sure, on China. How so? Well, when fewer children are being born, 
you can't kill older people and people that are living, uh, leaving the workforce and retiring. They have to be taken care of. And so fewer people working with an aging population now skews uh, the economy. Japan has that huge problem. Italy has a problem where you have fewer people being born and therefore you have an aging population. Even here in the United States, baby boomers. Uh, I'm a boomer. And that was the biggest explosion of population in the history of the United States. And all of a sudden, especially by birth, and all of a sudden, uh, we've got a situation where you have a whole bunch of people retiring and not enough people in the workforce to pay for the retirees. I mean, that is a huge problem. Well, in China, it has become way more difficult and more serious. And so the Chinese are looking at this thing going, what do we do? Well, they're going to wrap up a 40-year policy where they are now going to allow people uh, to, and this, I love this policy. They're going to adopt a policy called independent fertility. Basically, you can have as many people and kids as you want. And there is another problem with uh, the Chinese, uh, the entire economy, and uh, socially. And that is everybody wants a male child. Nobody wants females. It's males they want to take care of uh, an aging mom and dad and grandparents. So what ends up happening is that so many girls were aborted that now you've got young men, especially those who don't have uh, very few social skills that have uh, low-skill jobs, there are not enough women. They're out there running around. They're single, and they will never be able to find anybody. I mean, it's a mess over there. It really is, especially if they're ugly. Because even ugly women can have their pick of guys. All right. There is the one and only Gary. Good morning. Howdy. Howdy. Okay, it's your turn. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about this meeting that they're showing right now on TV. The president is meeting with the uh, president of South Korea, and they're talking about getting ready for the big talks on North Korea coming up next month. Look at the scowl on uh, President Trump's face. Well, it's Tuesday. It's what he does on Tuesday. I guess, yeah. Um, he had said, he had made a comment sort of offhanded that the the talks on June 12th with North Korea could be delayed, although the South Korean president said he's 99.9% sure that they're going to go off as scheduled. Uh, also, big day at USC. Max Nickius, the president of the school, put out a letter today describing how he's going to change the culture, et cetera, new flow charts and everything. At the same time, 200 professors have signed off on a letter demanding that he resign. Ugh. All right, so you've got a fair amount to talk about for sure. Also, uh, a big announcement here. Uh, Gary and Shannon bringing their News and Brews events uh, event to Bravery Brewing in Lancaster this Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And uh, Gary and Shannon will tell you all about that. Just calendar uh, this Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with a News and Brews broadcast. Also... I'm doing handle on the law. I'm taking legal questions. Why are we smiling, Gary? I'm laughing at John. He's giving me all these instructions about what we can and can't do right now because apparently there's a technological issue, and he didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, so I so you interrupted me by laughing. Okay, fair enough. There's a tech issue going on right now that you're not supposed to know about. Okay, folks? Well, let's tell you more about the event on Thursday up in Lancaster. All right, we'll do that. But let me, uh, I, we have to get out of here. And no, that's what your... he said. We can't get out of here yet. Oh, we can't even get out yet? They have to stall a little bit. Because Seriously? They're, yeah, they're doing something in RCS right okay, now. Okay, got it. All right. Good so, timing on that, guys. Right. So, 
a rabbi, a priest, and a plumber walk into a bar. Is it a brewery in Lancaster called Bravery Brewing? It happens to be, Well, yes. then they're going to walk in on Thursday when we're doing the show live from there for our latest news and brews. Uh, we have some special guests who are going to come by, including Brian Suits, and he's going to bring a menagerie of his pets because he doesn't live too far away from there. <laughs> um, and uh, that was the place that Arlie Ermey was a co-owner in, the actor. Oh, yeah. And he passed away not too long ago. They did the memorial service for him at the brewery a couple of weekends ago that uh, Shannon and I both went to. And uh, we had to go back there. So it's our kickoff sort of to Memorial Day weekend. Got it. And I am uh, engaging in a ready to get out of here. Now we're ready. Okay. There we go. Okay. Handle on the law, 877-520-1150. Starting in just a moment off the air for future broadcast. If you would like a marginal answer to your marginal legal question, Pick up the phone or don't. Call 877-520-1150. Okay, we stalled enough. Yes. Yes, we did.